hubbub, a chaotic din caused by a crowd of people. Hello again. Season two of the Director's Hub Founder Support Club and Hubbub, a chaotic din caused by a crowd of people is the name that we've called it. Uh, thank you to uh, Jim Cunnicliffe who brought that name to our attention. And um, essentially, we would like to say thank you to our sponsors for season two, uh, which is the Sussex Business Show, the premier game-themed trade show event in Sussex. Thank you. Today's podcast and uh, season two, number two, uh, is with Paul Dalibar, who runs a company called Gordian Solutions. And the talk title is Gordian Solutions helps entrepreneurs increase the value of their business to achieve a successful exit strategy. So let's delve into this topic. Hello, Paul, and welcome. Thank you, Sunny. Good to be here. Thank you. So tell us more about the business and yourself. Well, it's a consultancy that's uh, grown over time, uh, or changed, I should say, over time. Um, I will always tell business owners that I help businesses start up, scale up, and prepare to sell up. But it was clear to me over a number of years that uh, too many businesses were not in a position to be sold. In fact, they were unsellable because the business owners hadn't built them with the basics. Uh, They hadn't started with the end in mind, if you want to quote Stephen Covey, and that uh, they needed to go back and give themselves time and, and work with somebody to 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 put the business in uh, on the track that it should have been uh, when they first started, and of course, busy entrepreneurs often get sucked into working in their business, not on their business. So that's what I focus on: helping them work on their business, with the view to becoming ready to be sold, or at the very least, capture the value in their business and and often fall back in love with it. Thank you for giving us an overview of the business. It's it's such a lovely kind of extravagance to be able to talk to uh, business people about what they do on a day-to-day basis. Do you find that um, uh, that entrepreneurs are a completely different mix of people or are they all kind of pretty much the same? Oh, no. All human life can end up being an entrepreneur. Um, you can't be prescriptive. Uh, or they at least they think they're entrepreneurs, uh, they give it a go. Um, but the perfect entrepreneurs you probably don't see because they're the ones, not that there is such a thing, I guess, but they're the ones who've, who know what they should have been doing. And they're the ones who are not just doing the business, managing the business, but they're leading the business and they're thinking about what they should be doing next. Most Most business owners are just normal boys and girls like us that um, find themselves in a position of making something work for themselves and and just then finding themselves in a position where the business takes over and they just get submerged into the day-to-day running. It's interesting, isn't it? Because as business owners, we we do tend to get completely overwhelmed um, on a day-to-day basis of what we're trying to achieve in business. And do you find that people do tend to have an exit strategy when they start a business, or do you think it's just very randomly done at the end? 
it's difficult. Um, I guess most of the entrepreneurs that I've sat down and talked to, and whether we call them entrepreneurs or whether we want to call them just people who've started their own business with, who don't sort of, um, you know, haven't got the great sort of um, dream of building the next Facebook, Google, or anything else. They've often started because they've run away from something. All right, it can quite often be a horrible job, uh, quite often a horrible boss. It could be a loss of power. It can be things like death, divorce, redundancy, uh, and they they want to regain control. And they often start up in business because it's something that they can do, and they don't have an idea of of building that great that great asset value that's that's going to generate huge amounts of wealth. It's just something to pay the bills, and then they find themselves. Hey, much to their surprise, it takes off, it grows, and then all of a sudden, it's not just them on their own; it's them with three, four, five, six people. Now they're having to do lots of different things, and as I say, then they get caught into the day-to-day running, and they they simply don't think about how it's going to end or how it's going to finish. And to be honest, everybody thinks they're going to live forever. <laughs> well, until they don't. <laughs> It's amazing, really, isn't it, um, as business owners, that we try to quantify all of the elements of business when we start up. Um, but we don't always look at all of the elements of the business when we start to close up. Um, I guess we look at the monetary value of it, how much is it worth, and how, how do people, how does that come about? Oh, there's lots of different ways of valuing a business. Um, you've got to look at... Um, a number of key factors, but the, the the key one when you're valuing a business is looking at it and saying, okay, if you've made a decision that you're going to sell it or you're going to pass it on, okay, what have what are you going to do afterwards? You've got to be moving into something else. Right? Otherwise, you're going to regret or you're going to miss or you're just going to hang on to it. Um, which is, you know, and you can't you can't really afford just to not think about it because even if you're going to work in that business and work on that business for the rest of your days, at some point there's going to be a change of ownership whether you like it or not. And where, do you want that business to continue? Do you want your staff to be employed? Do you want to have a legacy? And the whole thing, if it's not properly structured can simply be a house of cards that could collapse um, if you're taken out of the business. I think there's there's a huge amount to consider, isn't there, when you're running a business. Um, what do you find are kind of the, the, the first things that people look at when they're uh, looking to kind of, um, or they're planning for the future or they're preparing like an exit strategy i suppose every single person is different no business is the same is it oh absolutely right and people's reasons for calling me in are completely different sometimes they they've fallen out of love with it they just want to get rid of it sometimes they've got an inflated value of what it's worth because um you know they go they've got the friends and family have told them you can get this much for it 
when frankly it's worth nothing because take them out of the business and the whole thing collapses. <laughs> All right. Or they've had a scare or the doctor has said you've got to cut down or the wife has said you've got to cut down otherwise I'm leaving you. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's many different uh, reasons why um, they want to think about or why they're thinking about exiting or selling their business. Uh, I suppose a, a very common theme is, well, it's not doing it for me anymore. Well, if it's not doing it for you now, how, does, how do you know anybody else is going to buy it? You know, what value has it got? So it's, it, what it, you end up doing at the beginning is sort of having a sanity check and saying, okay, yeah, if you, uh, you, know, you want to ex- exit the business, you want to sell it, let me tell you the truth. Let me tell you the chances of, of, of selling it. You know, and this is what, it needs, what needs to happen for it to be sellable because most businesses um, can be sold but not many of them will attract the, the figures that the, that the owner actually wants or thinks it's worth until they have that reality check. I suppose it's based, yeah, it's really difficult, isn't it? Because, um, you know, I, when I look at a business, I, uh, I don't intrinsically look at the, 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 what the financial gain is. I look at the, the value proposition. What does it bring to the table? I think that's absolutely right. Uh, when you talk about the value of the business, you talk about profitability. Yeah. This is just a byproduct of doing something well. So if you're delivering value to your clients, to your customers, and they're happy to pay you for the money, that's, that's the reward. It's, it's not what you're seeking or what you're concentrating on. What you're concentrating on is delivering the value. It's solving their problems. It's giving them the benefits that they're seeking. It's making them happy. And who doesn't want to be happy? <laughs> oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's, it's brilliant, isn't it, that, um, you know, when you're running a business, you're so attuned to everything that's going on around you that when you sell the business, your mind then goes into the quantifiable process of, of how much can I get for my business? But really, they should be looking at the fundamental core processes of customer service, of value propositions. You know, so, you know, within your business kind of structure, um, I've kind of cheated and looked at your website. Yeah. Um, so, you know, you, 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 the services like um, business exit planning, yeah. which we've talked very briefly about. Um, what else? Um, how, how can you personally help businesses? I guess that's from a coaching point of view as well, to make sure they, they get the right format in place. Absolutely. It's um, you know, looking at the, the business, looking at its structure, looking at its processes, looking at its people, getting it all to sing from the same hymn sheet, as it were, everything um, being aligned. And once you've got that up and running, then you've got uh, a business uh, or something that captures value. It doesn't have to be sold. Uh, It's just really, if you've got it all running, it not only captures that value, but it can make the entrepreneur's life a lot easier as well. And that's, um, you know, in essence, the most important process of this, isn't it? That, um, you know, they get to a stage where they feel that their brand is valued and mm-hmm. um, in essence, it, it is nice to have it profitable. But if it's if the value proposition is right, the rest should follow. Oh, a- absolutely. As, 
you do need to be profitable. You know? Of course, otherwise there's no point, is there? <laughs> oh, absolutely. <laughs> Unprofitable businesses generally don't last very long, um, I guess, unless you're Uber. But, uh, you know, you've got, you've got to have everything in place. And part of that is, of course, getting not just what you offer, your value right, but also getting your price right as well. Yeah, you've everything, in, in, and it doesn't. Even if you're not going to sell, you know, for your business to be working efficiently, doing it for you and doing it for your customer, the processes and the people um, have to be right. Do you find that um, people um, do they look at exit planning um, when they start a business, or really just kind of as as an end process? Or should they be looking? It sounds to me as if they need to be doing it sooner rather than later. Well, as I say, you should always thinking about what you're trying to achieve. Okay, so you know, what's it there for? Is it just to keep you busy, or are you trying to create some huge, great legacy, um, or are you creating something of value that you're hoping to pass on or to sell? You know, you've got to think about you've what's going to happen but of course when you start you've got the great you know the dreams but then the reality of running a business takes over you go through it's not always a straight line so you get the the ups you get the downs you know when you've got the downs you're not thinking about selling or buying the yacht but you're thinking how do I get through to next week how do I pay the staff? And then when you've got the ups, you're thinking, how do I pay off the people that I um, borrowed from when I was in the down? Um, and you're putting, uh, trying to sort out, you know, things and looking for the next, the next roadblock to 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 get over. So, you know, you're not, you haven't got that um, that time, that opportunity often, unless you recognise you need to create it to step away from the business and think. Okay, where am I taking this? What's going to happen? And generally, it's then when something leaps up and bites you on the backside that you suddenly think, mm, "This may not go on forever," or maybe there's an opportunity to do something else. As soon as you said the word yacht, I kind of switched off. You know, I, mean, I switched on to the po- to the point of yacht. Yeah. I was like, "Oh, yacht." <laughs> Everything else was subliminal, <laughs> but it, it is. You're right. It, you know, it, you. Business is a roller coaster, isn't it? It's so many highs and so many lows that it's just continuous, and you don't always get time to stop and think about, um, you know, what it is you need to achieve within your business. I mean, what do you find the kind of the biggest challenges are that you face on a day-to-day basis within your business? Are there any? Um, uh, I guess the usual the usual challenges of Burying myself in in work that really others should be doing. Um, I'm one of those uh, consultant types. It's do as I say, don't do as I do. Uh-huh. I recognise all the errors I make in my own uh, my own day to day operations, and I should really outsource. So I, I have a great deal of empathy with with the people in the same uh, same situation. I can give them all the advice in the world. But you know, um, you know, physician, heal thyself. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm still a work in progress. I think we all are in that <laughs> essence. 
Um, the name Gordian, it's it's always um, intrigued me. Um, um, so so where does where does that come from? Why did you think? Why did you choose that for your business? Uh, uh, that's that's a, a very good question, and it's uh, it's. I always had the name before I had the business. I knew what I wanted to call myself. When I worked in, in, in corporate life and I worked for some very big organizations and I worked very closely uh, with consultants that would come in and, and work on these big businesses. And I won't diss anybody, but let's say I saw one or two um, ways of operating I thought I could do better if I was on my own. Uh, the story, uh, the name Gordian comes from the story of the Gordian Knot and... It's about a goldsmith way back in the distant past in central uh, Mesopotamia or Asia, probably Turkey. And he created a city, which he named Gordian, because you know, he wanted to name it after himself. And in the middle of that city, he put a pole. And attached to the pole was the yoke of a chariot. And it was connected by a huge and complex knot. And the ends of the knots were tucked into the knot itself so you couldn't see where it started or where it ended and people were invited to solve the riddle to solve the problem and uh, people came along and they tried and they failed and the story grew up that whoever could solve the riddle of the knot or the, solve the Gordian knot would be the ruler of Asia and then along comes Alexander the Great on his way to conquer the Persian Empire and he wintered his army at Gordian, and he was invited to view the knot and to try and partake in solving the riddle, and he rocked up, took a look, looked at it, drew out his sword, slashed straight through the knot, thereby solving the problem, and he goes off to be the ruler of Asia. And that's what I wanted to convey. It was that, that swift, efficient solution Right, that solve a difficult problem and I clear off afterwards. <laughs> <laughs> That's just brilliant. It's, it's, this is what I love about doing the podcast series. You, you know, the, the massive nuggets of information that, you know, you, you don't tend to, when you go networking with people, as mm. we do all the time, you don't tend to um, ask them, you know, you, how is your business doing? Oh, it's doing well, blah, blah, blah. Um, or it's not doing well, blah, blah, blah. It's, it's so nice to, you know, find out about the, um, the, the fabric of a business, isn't it? Um, and I thought that was a, that's the kind of values I wanted to espouse. Um, the problem was is brand recognition. It's great if you're a, somebody of my age who had the little ladybird book of Alexander the Great um, and the story is right slap bang in the middle, but that kind of ancient history which probably wasn't so ancient when I was so was so small. Um, you know, there's very little recognition of the story. They may have heard of the Gordian knot, but not the, the story around it. So I will always tell my clients that if you're going to, you know, rebrand, make sure that you've done your research before you change your name so that at least there is some form of brand rec recognition. That's brilliant. It's, it's such a wonderful story um, to... To hear about, um, you know, the, the Gordian knot, I, I hadn't realised there was such a uh, such a wonderful story behind it, you know, and and that's really nice to actually bring out and let everyone know about. Now they'll ask you next time you go networking, <laughs> you can see it already, can't you? Well, now I know about the Gordian knot. You know, 
it's really good. Anyway, um, so as you alluded to earlier, you said uh, obviously you've been in business for a, a few years. So how long have you you've been running uh, Gordian Solutions? I walked out of corporate life, I guess, 22 years ago. Yeah, ne- nearly 23 years ago. I walked out of court. I decided if I was going to work for any more idiots, they were going to have my name. I <laughs> I won't name my last employer, um, and I don't think I worked uh, my finest there, but I, I lovingly call it the job from hell, but there were some wonderful people there. But I took the opportunity when the relationship broke down to to take the money and walk away. And I had somebody at home, my wife, who had been, who is passionate on their medical career, and was it's something they wanted to do from the age of five, and I was restricting her to a couple of days part time, especially as uh, she was in Burgess Hill with the kids and I was working up in Birmingham, and I decided when I uh, uh, when I walked out that uh, she would she would be the primary driver. Uh, she could run with her career as far and as fast as she wanted, and I would be the backstop, whereas before she'd been the backstop. So it was really a, what can I do to 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 work from home to support her? That's brilliant, because um, in, invariably you start out on a career path, and um, it... it it usually changes Mm. it doesn't tend to be the same Um, and it's nice that you not stepped aside but you enabled your wife to then uh, pivot Mm. and um, run with her business uh, with her profession and you were able to not take a back seat as such Paul I'm not saying that but you know that you were able to then swap places in in essence well if it's if your marriage is going to be a partnership then you have to treat the partner's Equal. With with each equal respect, yes. As I keep telling her, but <laughs> I, you know, I have given her the opportunity, and well, I say that, that's 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 very egotistical. I've given her the opportunity. She's grabbed her opportunities, and she has um, got to the top of her profession. I'm very proud of her. That's brilliant, actually. Really, really lovely to hear. Um, what would you say is the most important lesson that you've learned in the last decade of running your business? really everything is people um, and there's something new to learn I guess the key thing is there's something new to learn every single day and don't assume that you that you know all the answers there's something new to learn every single day that and that's why I enjoy you know getting out interacting with people networking and uh, just finding things new so kind of kind of move stepping away just from your business life yeah. because we're kind of um halfway through already which is a bit mad um what do you do in your spare time um with reference obviously you have your business so you, yeah. do you do that full time or do you do that kind of part time as a lifestyle thing i get i try it 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 depends uh i've not I always say I never created a business. What I created was a series of income streams because I needed that flexibility. Um, early on, it was because I was still, you know, I would care more for the kids when Siobhan wasn't there. And so I didn't create that structure. 
that repeatable structure that grew and engaged people. I just you know, found a series of income streams uh, and sort of riffed on a theme. And then occasionally people would come and ask me to do things. And I'm great. If there's a really exciting project, I'd run off and do that. Uh, so, um, yeah, I I guess it's a it's a it's a bit of a mixture. It it is lifestyle. In if you're going to be in the strict uh, manner of things, you know, I do I choose to work with the people I want to work with. I do the projects that I feel where I can add real real value. Um, I'm quite happy to walk away from an opportunity if I think somebody can do it better and can give the client better value. But only after I've had a good look at it. <laughs> of course. <laughs> you made get, of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. So you get first refusal. I mean, I that's sure. what it's all about, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, absolutely. But, yeah, it's, as a journey of personal discovery, personal development, it's been absolutely fantastic. And I've been given lots of interesting opportunities to do different things and to work with different organizations not all of them uh, because it's been looking at it from a point of view of an exit strategy but because I've been able to bring my other skills to bear on projects that they've got um, running or they're thinking of setting up. What project has been your latest to date? I mean the last project that I that I, I worked on have and really taken up most of my time over the last three years was the Business Hothouse program, which was a a business support program that was funded by the EU, last of that money, and uh, a number of local authorities, including Brighton and Hove City Council, uh, which we uh, ran and it supported businesses, including startups, uh, and there was grant uh, money available, which we ran uh, over the last. Uh, three years and it has proved very very successful I was responsible for devising um, developing and delivering a number of workshops uh, for businesses which because we were meant to go live a month before the lockdown uh, so thanks to COVID I spent a lot of time on Zoom and then Teams but uh, that was a, a really enjoyable piece of work uh, where I was able to interact with over 800 businesses over the last three years. Uh, it's come to an end. Um, I won't miss Zoom. I won't miss Teams. I will still do it, but pay me. Uh, but uh, I, I really enjoyed that project, and it delivered a huge amount of value. Um, the results that, uh, that come in suggest that for every pound that we spent, um, the UK received... Um, £13 uh, additional return. Um, so I'm very, very proud of that and of being involved in, in projects that can really make a difference like that. It's extraordinary, isn't it, that, um, that these programmes run in the background of your business and that they're available to most business types um, and that it ran for three years. That's, an, that's a long period of time. It was one of the very biggest that was run in the um, in the southeast it was managed by the University of Chichester uh, I had worked with them on a project before and I was given the opportunity to to pitch for a piece of work this time around but yeah it was a very big and uh, 
complex piece of work and it did involve about six to eight local authorities um, as well to help get it off the ground and uh, it and there doesn't seem to be an easy replacement we'll, we'll, we'll just wait and see what okay. turns up okay um what I'd like to do is just ask you a couple of questions, if I can. Um, just um, kind of personal questions, whimsical and stuff like that. Um, and then we'll roll back to your business again. Um, so what's kind of the best compliment you've, you've ever been given? That happened when I was delivering the Hot House project. Uh, because we had to go on Zoom at some stage, uh, and we, we advertised it on Eventbrite, we ended up, not not huge numbers, but... People from overseas would come and join us, which surprised me a great deal. And uh, a lady from New York uh, called Doris Rodriguez told me that I was better than New York, uh, which I appreciate because I've been there and I quite like the city. I think she meant the support that was provided okay, by the business. Okay, not the actual as a, town. Yeah, but I am better than I'll I'll take that better than New York. That's, that's something you can take to the bank. Yeah, yeah, uh, <laughs> uh, absolutely. That's brilliant. I absolutely love that. Um, what would you say, um, if, if you were to write a book tomorrow, um, what would you write it about? Crime. Crime noir. Fiction. Uh, you probably know I've been trying to write a book for the last five years. I have got 80,000 words of an unfinished novel that I've fallen completely out of love with. But there's enough there for me to go back um, and restart and do it. And yeah, that's, that's, on the, that's high up on the to-do list to actually at least get the first draft finished. Um, within a certain time frame, which I won't say now, because then that's like a promise to myself. <laughs> uh, there's a commitment that everybody else out there will know. But yeah, it's high on the to-do list to actually finish that 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 book or get that story down. Well, you, you've put it out there now, and it's now on this podcast. So you know it's going to be cemented in stone, um, and uh, we're going to um, ask keep asking you about it until it's done. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> maybe it's what i need <laughs> maybe you do need a bit of a kick up the backside Absolutely. Um, for it you know but we all do in business don't we we all um have projects that we're you know that that we're trying to clear uh, so we can move on to other things um it's the normality of business and life i guess you're right there's always the the to-do list is always um is always growing it's just concentrating on the uh the priorities that's that gets us from A to B. Hundred percent, hundred percent. What? What? I mean, obviously, I know you read books. Uh, I mean, I read about five books, you know, three to five books a month. So, um, you know, I've got a few um, to tell people about a bit later. Um, but what books would you recommend to your audience? Um, and and I guess why? You know. Oh, that, uh, there's a huge, huge range. Um, I guess. Uh, there's a couple of uh, thinking of the audience out there. There's a couple of classics that I would recommend: uh, "Think and Grow Rich" by Napoleon Hill, uh, which I guess was the first of the self-help books published in 1937. Uh, it uh, it gets you thinking about visualization 
planning, always learning, surrounding yourself with good people, um, acquiring knowledge. I guess every self-help book after that is some form of derivative. Napoleon Hill was an interesting guy, probably a fraudster, probably a liar. Uh, But you know what? The, The book is well worth reading and it is the the first of its genre, and uh, its uh, I don't think it's been out of print since 1937. Um, so I would certainly you know, recommend that. That's, that was um, a good one. Uh, if you're a business owner or thinking of starting business, uh, the, the e-myth, is, uh, which is um, Michael Gerber, is well worth reading. I think it's the it sort of makes you realize that um, just because you're good at something doesn't mean to say that uh, that um, you're a business owner. And the, it, it certainly explained to me what the, the difference between you know, having a job and running a business. Because if you've got something that's scalable, repeatable, uh, something that you can walk away from and it continues to operate on its own, you've got a business, okay? If you can't walk away from it, if it doesn't grow without you, you've got a job, okay? And most small business owners end up working on a job or working in a job than working on a business. You know, just because they are in business doesn't mean to say that they have a business, and it's perfectly valid to work in that way, to be the one man, one woman band uh, and do that. But recognize that um, with all the freedom comes um, all the problems. My gosh, I'm now looking at my I'm now thinking to myself, uh, do I have a job or do I have a business? <laughs> because uh, you know, being the skilled technician, you know, maybe you. You are good at something, so you start your own business. But then you've got to manage that business, you know, doing your own books to start with, um, doing all the sort of customer complaints, doing all the dealings with, with, with issues. Okay, And then you've also got to be the entrepreneur if you're running a business, which is looking for those opportunities. It's looking at the big picture. You know, it's, it's looking to grow the business so that you know, it's a fundamental difference between the two and certainly that book the e-myth and the sub follow-up e-myth revisited is well worth uh, reading to give yourself um, a real sort of like brain check on on where you are and where you're going it's brilliant isn't it because it's, it's like a grounding yeah it, it gives you a, a, a really brilliant starting point to what it is that you want to achieve within your business philosophy yeah and the third one, oh, that was a difficult one because I thought, well, there's no point saying you're going to write fiction and not give you a fiction book. Um, the last really good thriller I read, uh, Five Novembers by James Kestrel, a uh, big sweeping scope of a book um, that I thought I was starting to to read a really gritty crime noir and ended up with a lump in my throat because as the hero struggled back through the snows to get back to the woman he loved, um, it, it took me on a, 
a, a path that I didn't expect. Um, so I read, that was the best book I read of of the over the last year. Uh, those 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 are my three. I mean, there's loads of others. There's hundreds of others, but I love reading fiction because um, I like it. Forces me to think in creative ways. You know, I'd rather sometimes look at the world through not what others have done, but what you could create. Um, if, if, if that makes sense, it's it's not looking at what has been, but what could be, and using that imagination. I'll always say that the the foundation of innovation is creativity. So I will we'll try and read fiction to boost my creativity. Interesting. And when you fi- I take it you finished that final book, haven't you? Yes. Yes. Yeah, yeah. So maybe I could borrow it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that would be nice because you know there's no point buying one if you've got one. Um, <laughs> that would be a, that would be amazing. Thank you. Um, on the questions that I sent to you, one of them was, uh, well, not the questions, a list of questions, and one of them that you've highlighted um, that I'm going to ask you now. Um, I'm quite intrigued by your answer of this one. Um, so what occupation other than your own um, would you like to try? I couldn't have done it um, I'm early on in my life, but I'd love to be a surgeon, medical surgeon. I could do it now. Um, a number of reasons why. One, I married into a medical dynasty, uh, and I, I think I know what it takes. And uh, two, it's the, it's just the, the precision, uh, not just the precision, but the need to be able to deliver a, a proper solution, a proper um, outcome to help somebody. Deep down, I've got a psychological need to help, and I can't think of anything better than at least a successful surgeon. It's brilliant, isn't it? Because that's, uh, you know, it's you said about you know, kind of the the medical um, kind of going into that and a surgical solution. Um, yeah, you're, you're, you're right. It's hits the hits the nail on the head, doesn't it? Really, it, it is. You know, the way the Gordian knot was solved. Um, it was a surgical solution, absolutely. So, yeah, I'd love to be a surgeon. Surgeon for a day. <laughs> or longer. Well, I'd need to be trained if I was Obviously, just... Obviously, <laughs> yes, just a day would be a bit of a worry. <laughs> but absolutely amazing um, to to listen and have a chat um, to you, Paul, uh, today and find out just a little bit more about you know yourself and your business and, and so forth. It's been a pleasure. Um, like I said, I'd like to obviously we've we've talked about the aspects of your business and we've gone, uh, we've talked also about yourself and why the brand and stuff like that. So if you roll back to your business um, to kind of finish on, um, kind of you know, you obviously are a business strategy expert or guru, as I like to use the word for. Um, you know, um, so do people tend to look at the health? Um, of their business and their brand? Is it something they look at? Or um, what appeals a buyer to, you know, looking at um, business acquisitions? Buyers are generally looking for something that uh, that can stand up on its own two feet. Uh, It's generally 
um, from both sides, it's generally good to have a clean break. Sometimes you have to take the entrepreneur on board, but uh, then it often means that, okay, uh, the, the seller has got golden handcuffs, uh, they have to stay for a while, and they've got to work with people who may want to take their business in a different direction and uh, do things in a different way. So, and in my experience, uh, where you've got a relationship like that, where somebody is working out their notice or there is a, a uh, getting their money over time, those relationships can be a little bit fraught and so a clean break is always good and the 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 buyer is always looking for something that can stand on its own two feet that they that they you know that they can sort of like get and uh, change things around without too much too many issues they're also looking for something that they don't have to pump a lot of money into that is generating money and is not relying on a limited number of customers, a limited number, too many key staff that might walk out at the moment's notice, or uh, you know suppliers that, you know, but but basically they're looking for something that's um, got a future, got a product that p- people want to buy, that people will pay money for, is growing. Um, is on the up, okay? And if you're selling, you want to sell on the up. Of course. So that's why you want to turn your business around if it's not working for you and make sure it's on the up before you, you, you look to exit. I mean, to be, if I'm frank, most people do more work on their house when they come to sell it than they do on their business when they come to sell it. And what are you going to do when you're selling your business? You're going to declutter the whole thing. You're going to splash all the magnolia over the place. You're going to put the coffee on when the when the when the buyers come round to view. So true. So true. Um, and you're going to get the you know the the, the lunatic uncle out of the house. Um, but when it comes to the business, it's um, they don't seem to often they don't put in the effort, and you lose out. You lose out. It's interesting, isn't it, that, um, you know, entrepreneurs, uh, from my definition um, of that word, or business owner, however you look at it, um, they are focused on so many different uh, strands of their business that they don't tend to look at the end goal, like, you know, like you said. And decluttering a business is, is critical. Oh, yeah. Because there's just, otherwise there's just so many random things. I mean, do you find that, um, I'm going to dread saying this now, but um, do you find that entrepreneurs um, are easy to deal with um, when they're selling a business? Do you find that you get to the stage where you, you've got a buyer for the business and and they're ready to sell and, and they don't want to leave? They, they want to stay on board? Yes. I mean, I'll, I'll always say that I'll, I'll, I'll help you... I won't sell your business, but I'll make it a damn sight more sellable. And quite often people will come to me because they've fallen out of love with the business or it's not doing it for them. Well, if it's not doing it for you, then how, how do you think anybody else wants to, wants to buy it? So if you change it round, quite often they fall back in love with their business. You've solved their problems and they want to stay on. Um, that's absolutely fine. But if a decision has been made to sell and a buyer has been found, uh, 
that can be difficult. And this is why it's not just a question of getting the business ready for sale, but it's getting the business owner ready for the next steps and coaching them through that. Because a, a seller's regret or um, grief even is not uncommon. You know, quite often an entrepreneur has been working closely on their business. Uh, not just the staff are friends, but so are the clients, so are the suppliers. Maybe their entire social life is built around their staff, their customers, their suppliers, uh, their industry bodies. Okay, And they fear that they might lose all of that and, uh, when they... Um, if they sell up so they need to be running towards something not and have something to run to, towards rather than just thinking they're going to throw it all away that will make a successful sale absolutely amazing and it's been absolutely lovely to talk to you paul um we're coming towards the end of the podcast now and um we've answered we've we've chatted about everything um and everything in between um, and it's it's just really wonderful to have you uh, talk to us today. Thank you, Sonny. It's been a pleasure. Um, so this is uh, season two, um, episode two of uh, Hubbub um, for the Directors Hub Founders Support Club. Um, Sonny Cutting um, hosting and Paul Dalavar saying goodbye. Goodbye. Thank you. Hubbub, the Directors Hub podcast sponsored by the Sussex Business Show.